Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. Welcome back to the show, MD Nation! We're back. It's Tuesday. It's time for the Sunday Night Recap, the Monday Night Recap, and the Waiver Wire Report in today's show. So, of course, we have a lot to get to. We have a lot of interesting things. We have a lot of things that are going to help your fantasy teams moving forward. We're heading into Week 11. Can you believe it? Three weeks away from the fantasy playoffs. It is here, and we have two more weeks to deal with bye weeks. We have some injuries that we have to deal with. We have some things we have to talk about in the waiver wire report. Now, later on, the waiver wire report, I usually try to give you guys a good census on you know the status of it, the quality of it. And once again, this week doesn't have really the quality that you would necessarily look for in a waiver wire. But it does have more names than it did last week. And has some interesting guys that maybe will help teams that are looking towards the playoffs, help you get some stashes, help you get a leg up on the competition. So you're going to make sure you listen to that. And of course, before we get to that, we'll recap both the Sunday night and the Monday night games, talk about what we need to take out of those games moving forward. And of course, we'll be back again on Thursday and on Friday with two preview episodes that will be simultaneously recorded live on sportscaster.com. Or if you have an Apple product, you can download the Sportscaster app. Look for me at MDFFUSN Belly Up. And you can see me on there. That's way you can watch it as we go. I will give you guys an hour warning before I go live so that way you have plenty of time to get yourselves ready to be able to watch the show live wherever you may be from any device. 
That's been some great things we're going on with the show moving forward. Of course, we'll always have the audio version of the podcast, which will be available to you on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, Podcast, anywhere you go for your podcast needs. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is widely available to you. So let's go ahead and get right into it today, kicking it off with a break and then the Sunday Night Recap. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The Minnesota Vikings and the Dallas Cowboys. First off, it's always a lot of fun when we actually had a good, genuine matchup on a primetime television game because sometimes they're hard to come by. Sunday night games, for the most part, are usually a little bit better as far as the primetime games when you compare them to Thursday night especially, but also even Monday night as of late. And this was no different here. The Minnesota Vikings-Dallas Cowboys was a great game between the two. We have a lot to break down, a lot of fantasy stars on both sides of the ball. First of all, Dallas's offense could not get going really until at least the second quarter into this game. And finally, they're able to get the lid off. Dak Prescott started throwing the ball around, but Amari Cooper was the big guy today. Dak Prescott in this game, 397 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, didn't do anything with his legs, but you're going to take that kind of production against a good Vikings defense. Now, like I said, I talked about this last week when we're leading up into the Vikings game. This is a secondary that is not the same secondary we're seeing out of Minnesota. This defense, while very good and has a good front seven and a good pass attacking front seven and has a solid defense, they have a secondary that you can take advantage of right now. No Trey Waynes. Mike Hughes has been susceptible. Xavier Rhodes isn't the same player. So these were these were certain matchups where you knew if the game script went right, which it, it did if you're a Murray Cooper or a Dak Prescott owner, that you could actually get some production. This wasn't a game you were fearful of. Murray Cooper, 11 catches, 147 yards, a touchdown on 14 targets. He just continues to be a wide receiver one week in and week out. The volume he has received on a weekly basis is out of control. He's always been there. He's always getting the catches. He hasn't really had a bad game yet. Following that up, 10 targets for Michael Gallup. Only four catches, but had 76 yards and a touchdown. There aren't going to be too many games that Dallas is going to have this much volume in the passing game, right? Like Overall, their game plan is not to have Dak Prescott throw the ball for 46 times, because that's usually not how they're going to win the game, and they didn't win the game in this one. But they have been more susceptible to actually doing that once in a while, and with Callum Moore calling the offensive plays, this is an offensive team that has the ability to keep fantasy wide receivers relevant week in and week out. We've seen that. We know why Michael Gallup has an upside to him. And we get some games like this, yeah, he's going to be targeted a lot because Amari Cooper can't get all the targets. But we still have seen on the flip side what happens when Ezekiel Elliott gets going. When Ezekiel Elliott gets going and they're able to control the game, only Amari Cooper it really has value. 
So you still have to pick your spots with Michael Gallup. What you're looking for is that you're not you're looking for a decent matchup. But you're not just looking for a decent matchup. You're looking for a matchup against a team that's going to be able to compete with Dallas for four quarters. Like the Minnesota Vikings here. You actually want to be a middle-of-the-road team that's going to be able to put up points on the board and keep the game close. If the game's going to be close, there's going to be more opportunities for them to throw the ball. That actually is going to lead to Michael Gallup getting more targets. So something kind of outside the box that a lot of people don't talk about. It's not just about getting the best matchup possible. It's about game flow. When it comes to a guy like Michael Gallup. Randall Cobb also had six catches for 106 yards and a touchdown on eight targets in this one. I mention it because it's a great stat line. I also mention it because I want you to dismiss it as quickly as you either watched the game or saw the box score on this one. Because you're not going to be trusting Randall Cobb anytime soon. He has been worked in a little bit more over the past couple of weeks, but still nothing to ride home about. And if Michael Gallup is inconsistent depending on the matchup as far as his target share goes... Randall Cobb is even that much more consistent, inconsistent, that much more unreliable for your fantasy football teams. So don't take this as a notion moving forward that maybe Randall Cobb's when we start getting worked in and that you can plug and play him because you can't. So just just cool the Jets there. Zeke Elliott was disappointing in this game. Plain and simple. He got the 20 carries, but only 47 yards. Minnesota played this game with one goal in mind, and that was to stop the run. They were going to let Dak Prescott beat them, essentially. And he almost came back at the end. But that that was what their game plan was going into this one. They were going to let Dak Prescott beat them. They were going to let the passing attack beat them. They were not going to let Ezekiel Elliott beat them. And he wasn't that involved in the passing game. Two catches, 16 yards on three targets. Better days are obviously ahead for Ezekiel Elliott. There's no reason for concern moving forward. Just chalk it up to one of those days where the other team just had a good game plan for him. On the other side, though, Kirk Cousins actually had a solid game for you in this one. You were able to stream him if if you had to. He wasn't one of my top streaming quarterbacks, of course, especially with not, not with having uh, Adam Thielen. And it is a pretty good Dallas defense, too, that we're talking about here as well. But, especially at home. But, he still was serviceable. And he played really well. Now, there does seem to be a comfortability when it comes to playing his old NFC East opponents when he was with the Washington Redskins. So I do think that has a part to do with him playing well in this one. Just a part. But really, at the end of the day, he has been playing much better as of late anyway. Look, without Adam Thielen, there aren't too many games where I'm going to love or look to have to stream Kirk Cousins. But it is good to see that as long as that running game is working and they're able to do play action off of it, Kirk Cousins can give you a decent floor if you're in a desperate quarterback streaming situation. But nothing more, really. Dalvin Cook is the man. He just looks like him and Lamar Jackson are two players that just look like they're playing at a different speed than everyone else on the field right now. Where these are fast NFL guys, fast secondary players, fast linebackers, fast everything. And they are running away from them as if they are standing still. Dalvin Cook, 26 carries, 97 yards, not a great yards per average, but does get the rushing touchdown. The biggest thing was that he tore it up in the passing game. Seven catches on 86 yards on seven targets. We haven't seen him be that involved in the passing game, like to that clip, right? That's one of the things we've been waiting for. Like He's been getting his like four to five catches each game, but he hasn't been like the big factor, the big playmaker in the passing game like we know he can be or expected him to be to some degree got involved in that capacity this game, which was great because that's how they pretty much utilized Dalvin Cook the entire game to be able to move the ball. 
Stephon Diggs wasn't that involved. Three catches, 49 yards on six targets. You know this wasn't the greatest matchup in the world going up against a good Dallas defense at home. But being that there was going to be no Stephon Diggs, I think you might have expected a few more targets. If you told me the Minnesota Vikings would score 28 points, I would have told you Stephon Diggs probably came away with at least an 80-yard day and probably eight targets. Didn't quite meet that. But we don't know if we're going to have Adam Thielen back next week. It's still maybe another week before we see him return. In the meantime, though, Stephon Diggs just continues to be a guy you're going to keep playing on your lineups week in and week out, even when Adam Thielen comes back, obviously. He has turned that corner where you can at least trust that he's going to produce on some level week in and week out, and he's going to give you those wide receiver one weeks because he's Stephon Diggs, and that's what he does. Kyle Rudolph is somebody I do want to talk about here. Now, he only had four catches for 14 yards. On five targets. Irv Smith did out-target him. He did out-catch him. He out-yardaged him. You know, he had five catches of 34 yards. But Kyle Rudolph had two touchdowns. This is now, I believe, the third week in a row that Kyle Rudolph has scored. He's been getting worked in more and more in the red zone. He's not doing much in between the 20s. That That's for sure. He's not that involved between the 20s. Irv Smith is more involved in, in that aspect of the field. But when they get in close, especially with Adam Thielen not playing right now, They've been looking to go to Kyle Rudolph. I only mention that because we have guys like Austin Hooper who are injured and we don't know exactly when he's going to be coming back. We're still waiting on the report as far as his second opinion goes on when he's going to come back. We have guys like that with a tight end position is just so bleak as it is that if Adam Thielen continues to not play and you're just looking for a tight end who has touchdown potential, right now Kyle Rudolph is that guy. He has that ability to possibly get you a touchdown. He's been on that roll, and especially if no Adam, now Adam Thielen comes back, all bets are off. I probably just stay away from him, and the, for the same reason I, t- I stayed away from him previously, which is him and Irv Smith. Um, look, the tight end position is so volatile as it is. I don't need a, a situation in which there's actually a tight end by committee on top of it on the team. But if Adam Thielen continues to miss, Kyle Rudolph seems to be utilized in the red zone. He's somebody you can plug in and hope for a touchdown. So just kind of keep that in mind as we move through the week. And we find out more and more about what's going on with them. That wraps up the Sunday night recap. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side with the Monday night recap for you, and then, of course, the waiver wire report at the end. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. Finally, we had an exciting Monday night football game between the 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. So much so that it went into overtime. It was finally a great watch after we've seen some abysmal performances on Monday night television over the past few weeks. It was good to have an exciting close game here. There are no longer any undefeated teams in the NFL We have the Seattle Seahawks, San Francisco 49ers winning 27-24, the Seahawks that is. And in this game, it was kind of ugly as far as fantasy performances go. Look, we had some solid starters. Chris Carson, 25 carries, 89 yards, a touchdown. Still not great, but was still able to be very fantasy relevant, able to be that high-end RB2 that you've come to expect him to to be, and continues the trend that the 49ers are not a defense that you have to fear when it comes to running backs who you know are going to get a lot of the work. They're no longer that mismatch 
that you had to dread on paper going into a week if you had one of your top-end running backs that you count on for your fantasy lineups. They're no longer that matchup. Teams are showing that they can physical that 49ers defensive front, especially with no Quan Alexander. Now, like I said, Chris Carson didn't have a great game in this one. Wasn't very efficient, but still got all of those carries, still performed for a touchdown, still got you almost 90 yards. You're not going to complain about that. And it also tacked on three catches for 12 yards in this game. And that continues to be the trend. You can play your, your running backs against the 49ers defense right now. You can do that. Russell Wilson didn't have a great game in this one, but I don't think you really should have expected him to have a great game in this either. 24-34, 232 yards, a touchdown, interception. He did tack on 53 yards rushing, keeping that fantasy floor that he just provides you week in and week out, which is why he's been one of the top-end quarterbacks because even in the games where he doesn't go crazy, he's still providing you a floor every single week, making him one of the top three quarterbacks in fantasy football. And that continues to be the case. Now, Going into this game, the big thing that we were looking for, what is the snap count going to be between DK Metcalf and and Josh Gordon? And the answer was DK Metcalf was still the number two wide receiver. He was still the guy who lined up in two receiver sets. Six catches, 70 yards on 10 targets. He was actually the lead receiver on the day. The guy right behind him, though, Jacob Hollister, eight catches, 62 yards, a touchdown on 10 targets. He is now somebody who is fantasy streaming relevant at the tight end position when they come off of their bye in week 11. I'm sorry, when they come off their bye in week 12. Remember, they do go on bye this week, so all of your Seattle Seahawks players are going to have to be sitting, and probably a good thing because Tyler Lockett got banged up in this game. We're getting reports that it's a leg contusion. We'll wait and see exactly what the timeline is going to be for him, but as of Right now, it sounds like he might be okay after the bye week. So no long-term concerns there, which is a good thing. Josh Gordon, two targets, two catches, 27 yards. Now, what I will say is that with Tyler Lockett out, they weren't afraid to bring Gordon in. Russell Wilson wasn't afraid to look for him right away. I think he still just has a little bit of a ways to go to learn the playbook. Having the bye week for him may be a godsend in Week 11. Heading into Week 12 against the Philadelphia Eagles, look, he's still not somebody who you're going to really be able to trust. But what you do know is that all those targets that are going to David Moore and Jaron Brown will probably go Josh Gordon's way. And they play the Eagles in week 12. So that's going to be a plus matchup. He could find himself in a situation as he gets more immersed into the playbook to be a five to six target guy, which in this offense, the way they take deep shots could be enough to make him a fantasy wide receiver four with some upside. But if you're looking for Josh Gordon, if you're worried about DK Metcalf, it's clear they don't have any plans on slowing DK Metcalf down. They don't plan on playing him less. That much was clear by watching this game. So if you've had DK Metcalf as a wide receiver three with upside, I think you can continue to play him as such, even with Josh Gordon there. Now, yes, moving forward, there's going to be probably more of a split. Gordon will be a little bit more involved, but it's just clear to me they're not going, they're not ready to make DK Metcalf the third receiver. That's not the game plan moving forward. So you don't have to worry about that aspect of it. On the San Francisco 49ers side of the ball, Jimmy Garoppolo went back to being Jimmy Garoppolo. He went back to being a guy who is a irrelevant streaming quarterback as far as fantasy purposes go. Not somebody you're going to look to on a consistent basis unless it's very much a plus matchup and you're desperate for a quarterback. They're just not going to throw the ball first. Now, this was a game that they went back and forth on. Everyone got their chances to play. And what you had was part of it, of of his production, of why he didn't do as well as he could have, is because of Emmanuel Sanders, right? He got hurt 
earlier on in this game in the first half, never came back, a rib injury. We're still waiting for the details of the MRI results for that injury, which is expected to come back some at some point later on today. So expect to see that for Emmanuel Sanders. Make sure you're following me along on Twitter at MDSFFshow. I'll make sure you get that player news update notification as soon as it comes through my desk. But for right now, he finished with two catches, 24 yards. Totally killed your fantasy hopes and dreams if you thought Emmanuel Sanders was going to be the one to bring you to the promised land last night. A lot of people, I think, were counting on that. Really disappointing, but there's not much you can do with an injury. And it wasn't like it was his ankle or his foot injury that you would suspect would maybe be the case. It was a completely different injury. So in some ways, that's good. In some ways, we'll have to wait and see what the actual you know timeline is going to be for Emmanuel Sanders. But that's a big reason to do why Jimmy Garoppolo didn't do so great. Now, in the absence of Sanders... They went back to Debo Samuel, had eight catches for 112 yards, 11 targets in this game. Kendrick Bourne actually was the one who had the touchdown in this one, but I'm not expecting Kendrick Bourne to be fantasy relevant or be that involved moving forward, uh, especially after the fumble last night. But the guy who wasn't involved in all, again, Dante Pettis. Only three targets, no catches in this game. Just continues to be a guy that doesn't seem like he's taking that step up, or Kyle Shanahan at the very least seems like he has zero interest in really playing him in a prominent role. The only wide receiver that I would trust if Emmanuel Sanders is going to miss moving forward would be Debo Samuel, and even he is more of a wide receiver, low-end wide receiver four, more of a wide receiver five, because yes, he had a good performance in this game, but most games, 49ers are still going to be a run-first team, and in most weeks, we've seen this leading up for most of the season, where Manuel Sanders wasn't on this team until a few weeks ago, and Debo Samuel had some value in a PPR league that you could possibly play in the flex in a tight spot, but it wasn't anything to ride home about. It wasn't anything that you wouldn't feel confident about. So yes, Debo Samuel is worthy to uh, pick up and have on your rosters again until, until we know more about the Sanders injury, but he's not somebody who I'm rushing out to the waiver wire to go get or somebody who I think is going to change around my team in the next upcoming you know, two heavy bye weeks that we have this week and, of course, in week 12. So just you know, pipe the brakes down a little bit in that scenario if you think that's going to happen. Another injury, which I am actually just getting some news on right now, that happened with the 49ers game last night was Matt Breida. He got hurt in this one. Again, he just he can't go four quarters. But it's coming back as he might have had a sprained ankle. Uh, and they don't know... They don't know exactly how bad it's going to be, how if he's going to miss time or not. Look, if Matt Breida misses any time, which he seemingly somehow finds a way to not, but if he does miss time, eventually a sprained ankle has to heal, Right. Raheem Mostert obviously is somebody you can pick up, you could play. Because they've already shown in the past they will play Raheem Mostert in that Matt Breida role in the sense of they will split him with Tevin Coleman. Coleman might get 55% of the work while Raheem Mostert gets 45% of the work. And in this offense, that's good enough to be a flex play to be an RB3. So Raheem Mostert is somebody who is going to, should be on the waiver wire report now that we're just getting that news and we'll talk about him and I'll probably, he's not in my waiver wire segment today because I already kind of had that set before this came out, but I will talk about him on the waiver wire report video that I am going to do later on tonight on sportscaster.com. You can go ahead and check that out. Remember, it won't be a full episode. It will just be the waiver wire report video, but that will be on tonight. Look for my Twitter, my Facebook feed as to exactly when I will be going live for that, but look for that tonight later on uh, to get the updated version because, you know, on Tuesdays, I record this late Monday night. I only have so much information. So on Tuesdays, I get a little more info. There's some guys who get added on to my waiver wire reports a little bit later on, which is why I like to do those videos. So make sure you're checking me out at MDFF USN Belly Up for Sportscaster. 
As far as everybody else goes, Tevin Coleman, nine carries, 40 yards, four catches, 32 yards. He got his typical 13 to 15 touches in this game. That's what you kind of expect. You're hoping Coleman gets about 15 touches a game. On that, he's able to be effective. He's usually able to be a low-end RB2 for you, a high-end flex play if he's going to get 15 touches in a game. Look, with Raheem Mostert coming in, Matt Breida maybe missing some time, you can expect Tevin Coleman to get a few extra touches. Not a lot, but a few extra touches, I believe, will go his way. He still is the guy who gets worked in on the goal line. So you can continue to play him as such. Yes, he did have a disappointing performance last week. Yes, this wasn't a great performance this week. But he does have a decent floor in most matchups moving forward. And Seattle's rush defense is not bad. They're actually towards, they're closer to the top 10 than not as far as their rush defense goes. And this was a game where the 49ers had to come back from behind a lot in the second half. So they weren't able to really run the ball for all four quarters like they normally would moving forward. So I'm not worried about Tevin Coleman uh, moving forward. So that's going to wrap up this, uh, the Monday night matchup. Excuse me. We're going to take one last break. Come back on the other side with the waiver wire report. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. Now it's time for the best part of the show, where we officially put away Week 10, head towards Week 11, and look for ways to improve our teams heading into next week. Whether it be for this week you have to pick up somebody and play for the heavy bye week once again heading into Week 11, or if you are in playoff position and you're looking for guys to pick up down the road. I have guys for both that we're going to talk about, and I have Kind of a hefty list. Nobody that I'm uberly excited about, but a a list of guys to definitely kind of keep in mind moving forward. First up, of course, the most obvious of all is Brian Hill. He's 5% owned on average, meaning he's going to be the guy that everyone's going to be racing for the waiver wire for. He has a timetable of maybe two weeks. Because previously come out and said, Devontae Freeman may miss up to two weeks. So that means we know for sure that he'll definitely be the lead rusher for this week. It'll be a question mark of the second week whether Devontae Freeman comes back then or if he will wait to come back until week 13. So that's where the question's going to come down to. But you know you have Brian Hill for at least one week, possibly two. Now, spend it wisely. There's injuries aplenty. You are in the downstretch of you know heading towards the playoffs. You want to be ready in case something big happens, in case someone monumental gets hurt. You want to have some kind of budget left aside. So to me, if you need a play for Brian Hill for the next two weeks, remember to keep, you know, look at week 12 too, because there's a good possibility he's going to be the guy for week 12. Keep that in mind. Go after him. Use it. He's definitely worth using a priority on. He's worth, I would say, using maybe 15% of your fab budget on. Maybe 20% if you really need a play, a starting running back for the next two weeks. If you're just in that kind of a situation, maybe 25. But that's about as tops as I would go. I wouldn't go crazy because, like I said, we're talking about two weeks here at most. Could just be a week. So I wouldn't want to go crazy, but it does depend upon what your situation is. If you're more desperate and you need to win now, then you may be more apt to go ahead and make sure you get them. If you don't, don't pull your budget. Play it smart. It depends on where your team is at right now. 
But I wouldn't go crazy over Brian Hill, especially when we have won maybe two games. So just kind of keep that in mind as we move forward. But he is worth the priority for sure. Next guy I want to talk about, Danny Amendola. I bring him up only if Matthew Stafford's coming back. I know it's two weeks in a row now. Amendola hasn't done much. Again, this is I brought him up last week. Again, I'm bringing him up this week as only a PPR play. And only, this comes with an extra stipulation this week, only if Matthew Stafford's going to play. Now, we don't know that. Which is why Danny Amendola, he's somebody, he's on my waiver wire report, but not somebody who I would be necessarily going after and putting a claim in for. He's somebody that, you know, after it's all said and done, he's 38% owned on average. You're looking for another wide receiver. Comes out the Stafford is going to play, which there does seem to be a good amount of optimism that will be able to happen this week. Then I would go ahead and look into it. But just a guy to keep out there, a guy who has been healthy, has been targeted pretty heavily. Look, with the Detroit Lions, with the, this game that we saw with them against Chicago with Jeff Driscoll at quarterback, you can take it, ball it up, and throw it away. There's no, there was nothing fantasy-wise to really take out of that game when you have Jeff, Jeff Driscoll starting at quarterback, and you know Matthew Stafford is probably going to be back starting this week. So that's just where you just throw everything out. You go off of what you had the last week and the weeks previously. And up until this point, I think you've been okay with Danny Amendola in the PPR League when he's been out there and healthy for the most part. You know, obviously as a floor wide receiver four type of play. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a guy who can come in and spot start for you in the bye weeks. As soon as these bye weeks are over, we're not going to be talking about guys like Danny Amendola. The only guys are even, the waiver wire report is going to get real thin after week 13. Because that's when we're going to start. We won't have buys. It's just going to be about injuries. It's just going to be about streaming guys. Guys are going to help you win right there, right now. Because that that will be the playoff time. So it's going to get real thin after this. This will be this week and next week will probably be the last two weeks where we'll have this wide encompassing waiver wire report with guys that maybe you don't care about season long. Maybe you don't care about what they do down the road. But maybe they service a role for you when you have a lot of guys you have to deal with being on buy. Ty Johnson, obviously he had a concussion. That's why he was knocked out of the rest of that game. He's only 37% owned on average throughout all the leagues right now. He's a starting running back. We don't. He might miss next week with a concussion injury. So definitely keep your eyes on my Twitter account at MDSFFshow for those player news update notifications. And I'll make sure you guys are all up to date as we go through the week. But. In the off chance that he does get through the concussion protocol without any problems, he comes back. He's still the starting running back. I don't love it. Obviously, you only play him if you need somebody who has a pulse or you need somebody who has a pulse. Uh, J.D. McKissick is another guy who's actually he's actually more owned than Ty Johnson, believe it or not. That's why he doesn't actually make the waiver wire report today. He's a little bit more owned, but he is the one that if Ty Johnson cannot go, would get the majority of the work, especially in the passing game, which is what would make him at least serviceable. Uh, Ty Johnson, like I said, we'll see, but he's somebody who deserves to be on the waiver wire report because he is still a starting running back in the NFL. And the same can be said for the next guy on this list, which is Kalen Balaj at 37%. It's not exciting. I told you guys this waiver report was not going to be exciting. It's going to feel a little bit gross. But these are guys who are in situations where they're getting volume. And right now, if you have a guy who's at least getting volume and has a pulse, you might need to start him. Just given where we're at in the fantasy season at the moment. Caleb Balaj did have 20 carries last week. Didn't go for anything because he's a terrible running back. But... If you get 20 carries, that means you are the featured guy. That means you're in a position where if the opportunity arises, you may fall into the end zone at some point. 
You're a starting running back in the NFL. You're going to have some kind of value attached to that. That's why Cam Balazs is on this list. That, in fact, he's only 37% owned on average. Obviously, him or nor Ty Johnson am I going hard after. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even blow priority on these guys, frankly. I would wait to see the waivers, waivers clear and try to get these guys for free on the flip side. But guys that need to be taken notice of. Next up, Kyle Rudolph. I talked about him a little bit when we talked about the recap game. Why I think he's a streaming tight end. He's 34% on average owned through the major platforms. So I think Kyle Rudolph is somebody that you can possibly pick up and stream like we talked about. If Adam Thielen is going to continue to miss more time and you just need a guy who can maybe score a touchdown for you. He fits that role. Next guy I want to talk about is Janu Smith. Janu Smith, Delaney Walker, you can kind of mold them into one. Both of them are less than 50% owned. Janu Smith, 32%. Delaney Walker, 28%. It's a tight end situation. Whichever one plays, or Delaney Walker is active and he's a starter, you can pick him up and play him as a guy who should get some targets. If, if it's you know if he's inactive, then you play Janu Smith. Yes, somehow they scored 35 points without really utilizing their passing game whatsoever against the Kansas City Chiefs, but... Of that mess that they had, Janu Smith was the one who had four catches for 30 yards. He was the one who led the team. Wasn't great, but he's the one who was there. They're willing to go to him. I'm not a Janu Smith fan. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know this. I think he's Jared Cook, where he's going to have that one good game that he had a few weeks ago, and that might be it for the rest of the season. But right now, given the tight end position, you need a guy who's on an offense that utilizes the tight end, is the starter, and may just luck into a decent floor for you. Or at least have a pulse for you. That's what Janu Smith is. Next up, Alan Lazard. He's only 8% owned on average. He is the number two wide receiver. I know snap count wise, people were, you know, people in the industry, experts in the industry were trying to talk you guys out of Alan Lazard because of the snap differential between him and Marquez Valdez Scantling and the fact that it was favoring Marquez Valdez Scantling. But my retort to that is that clearly when they're actually looking to throw the ball, when they're clearly, when they're actually looking to put up some production, Alan Lazard is the one getting the catches. And this past week, the snap count was much closer. It was still favored Marquez Valdez-Scantling, only by a slight margin, though. And I, I anybody watching that game saw that Alan Lazard is not just a trusted target by Aaron Rodgers, but has definitely catap- catapulted ahead of Marquez Valdez-Scantling when it comes to guys making plays when it comes to guys actually being involved in the passing offense I think there's no doubt about it now he's not a great play I think he is somebody who has a big playability given his side and speeds and speed with Aaron Rodgers he has opportunities to score touchdowns um not he's still a wide receiver five but he's a wide receiver five who's interesting he's a wide receiver five where once his offense gets going again and we talked about that in yesterday's episode as far as, you know, Rodgers and the Green Bay Packer offense, if you missed that, go back and listen to that, the MD's Finney's Football Show, on any one of your favorite podcast apps so we don't miss a thing. But we talked about that then. There's a possibility this offense starts to get back on track again. Aaron Rodgers starts to get back on track again. A second receiver outside of Devontae Adams is going to have to step up for that, step up for that to happen on a consistent basis that, could, that very well looks like it would be Alan Lazard right now. So keep that in mind. Next guy up. David Njoku. Now, this is more of a guy who is for those playoff teams, right? Because we're still probably two weeks away from David Njoku being able to make his return. 
but he did shed the walking boot last week. He may be back sooner than rather than later. Like I said, in a couple weeks we might be looking at. Definitely a guy for playoff teams, though. He's only 18% on average owned. He's just he's obviously a byproduct of the tight end position being terrible. Look, he's a guy who could have some value. They they've used Ricky Seal Jones, they've used Demetrius Harris, they've used guys in his place that David Njoku is a million times better than. So he is somebody that if you have the roster spot, if you don't necessarily need to win right now, that's a move that you can possibly make as a luxury move. Next I want to talk about is Chris Thompson. Yes, that that Chris Thompson. I know Darius Geis is coming back. We don't know what's going to be the split between him and Adrian Peterson. Bill Callahan's taking over. Dwayne Haskins has been named the starter for the rest of the season. There's a lot going on in Washington. But... We don't, and we don't even know if Chris Thompson is going to be back this week necessarily. I'm leaning towards as of right now that he should be. And no matter who the running back is, Chris Thompson should still be the guy they go to in the passing down situations. That should still be the case. So Chris Thompson is somebody I think you can look towards to help you get some production. Now, clearly I'm talking strictly PPR leagues. That's number one. But number two is that with Dwayne Haskins being the starter for the rest of the season, that's a big reason why I think they're going to have to use Chris Thompson. We know Bill Callahan, his entire goal is just to use run the ball as much as possible, use the running backs as much as possible. But part of that is, outside of Terry McLaurin, Dwayne Haskins has to be able to throw the ball to somebody else. That player, to me, when he's back and healthy, would be Chris Thompson because it's the easiest check down to make. The easiest thing for Dwayne Haskins to be able to do. So that's why I wouldn't be surprised if in a PPR league, we could see Chris Thompson reemerge as a flex viable player. Like, believe it or not, he was in the beginning part of this season. He hadn't been getting any love for it, but if you were in PPR leagues, you had Chris Thompson, he had been a serviceable flex for you, especially in those deeper leagues. So something to kind of keep in mind there, like I said, he's only 17% owned on average, and right now when you're looking for running backs in any kind of shape, way, or form, he's somebody who might be on your radar. Next guy I want to talk about, he was actually on my waiver wire list last week, Nikhil Harry. His uh, his ownership actually went down from a week ago, if you can believe it. It's down to 12% now on average. I think part of that had to do with the fact that he was active and then didn't play, so people just kind of bailed on him. Look, he's going to get his role. They're going into the bye week this week. So again, if you couldn't guess just by the fact that they're going into their or they're coming out of their bye week this week and heading into this week, the fact that he hasn't established himself yet should tell you that this is for teams that are in position to make the playoffs and maybe think that they would need one more wide receiver along the way. Looking for that third wide receiver, maybe that flex play. Look, there's a decent chance here, and this is also, we're also talking about, you know, I just want to add this in, we're also talking about like 12, 14, 16 team leagues when we're talking about Nikhil Harry too, not not 8 or 10 team leagues. Uh, but this is somebody who has an opportunity, I believe, to step in and automatically be the number one red zone pass-catching wide receiver for this offense. Look, they have Julian Edelman, they have Muhammad Snu, but they don't have a perimeter go-to guy, especially in the red zone. He could step in and be that guy from day one as soon as he's actually back out there on the field and involved in the offense. The other part of that is he's a very talented rookie. They took him in the first round. They have big hopes for him. If he's able to produce, if he's able to quickly get Brady's trust, this is a guy who could be very well worked in. There's room for more pass catchers in this offense to get going, especially if Brady can trust somebody, which right now he has shown that outside of Edelman, Sanu, and James White, he doesn't trust anybody else in the passing game. 
So that's something to kind of keep your eye on. I'm very interested by Nikhil Harry moving forward. Darius Slayton also has to get added to this list. Now, this is more out of respect of the huge game that he just had. He's only 10% owned on average, so he is widely available to you guys out there and across your leagues. But a couple things, right? The Giants are going on by this week, so that's number one. So automatically, he's not a guy you're picking up to help you win this week. And the other thing about him is that his value is contingent on both Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram being out. Now, Sterling Shepard, there's been a lot of talk some has been that he's going to go to the IR, but Pat Shermer's official word today was that he's going to practice. So he's going to go through concussion protocol. He's still in the concussion protocol, but he's going to practice this week during their bye week and presumably practice again next week. So we don't know if Sterling Shepard's really going to be out for the rest of the season. Evan Ingram may be out for a couple more weeks with the foot sprain that he has that he's dealing with. So there's a chance coming out of the bye that he's not quite ready to go, but Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram both need to be out to be able to trust Darius Slayton. Because if if they're not, then you're pretty much just hoping Darius Slayton catches one long touchdown, and that's all you can really hope for on a week-to-week basis. But if both of those guys are out, as you saw this past week, now I don't expect them to get 14 targets again, but there's enough of a target share to not just go to Golden Tate, but to also go to Darius Slayton. I mean, and that game was also compacted by the fact that Saquon Barkley left it early too. By the way, in case you're wondering, as of right now, recording this late Monday night, I do not have an update yet on Saquon Barkley. We're still waiting for the results from the x-rays to come back and exactly what the report is going to be. So just kind of give you an FYI there while we're talking about it. That's going to wrap up the waiver wire report. That's going to wrap up the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it today. As always, I enjoyed myself. Now, we're going to have, of course, the preview shows on Thursday and on Friday. I will give you guys an hour notice on Twitter at MDSFFshow when I will be going live on Sportscaster. And that will be the pod, that will be the full podcast episode. So the full hour long episode on Thursday and Friday will be live fed on Sportscaster. Now, one of the things I have been doing while recording live on there is, that while I will still be taking a select few mailbag questions that I get through uh, throughout the week on Twitter at MDSFFshow or on Facebook at MDFFshow or through email through the website www.mdffshow.com, I'll still be pre-selecting a few questions there. And of course, I'll still be answering all of your questions when you contact me through one of those media outlets. The other thing I will be doing, though, is that if you tune into the Sportscaster video live, I will... And tune into it live and then also leave a question, a fantasy football question there in the chat. I will get to you in that episode and you will be automatically a part of that episode. So it doesn't matter. I mean, if I get a million questions, then yes, I won't be able to get through every single one of them right then and there. I will answer all of you personally, whatever question I get, but I may not have it as part of the episode if I'm getting just, you know, dogpiled on. But my plan is that as of right now, if you ask me a question during the live show at the end of that segment of that episode, I will answer all of those questions and go through them there. So just something you can kind of take advantage of, a little tidbit for you, and I'll shout you out during the show and you'll be blasted out everywhere for the MD's Fantasy Football Show. So that's going to wrap it up. Make sure you guys are following me along on social media. Make sure you're checking out one of my networks Belly Up Sports, uh, Unwrap Sports, or Overtime Heroics. Of course, Belly Up Sports and Unwrap Sports doing the Sportscaster videos with now a lot of exciting stuff going on there. Make sure you guys check me out. I will have the rankings up later on Thursday afternoon as usual. And I will talk to you guys all very, very soon.
Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash teamready. 